Hi everybody, welcome to the Science of Golf Performance. And my name is Tyler, I'm here with... You gonna go? Oh. I'm Alex. <laughs> and I'm Chris. <laughs> and today we're gonna talk to you about the top three ways that juniors can increase their swing speed. Um, the first way that we'd like to talk about is about ground force. So you think about how we're using the ground to create that force, duh, ground force. Okay. Um, but what are some ways or what are some techniques? We're smart. <laughs> yeah. So what are some ways or what, what are some techniques and that you can do that? How is that going to transfer over to the swing? So um, personally here, I oversee uh, all the junior training here in-house, and I like to use medicine balls and jumps because what it's doing is it's, it's teaching uh, junior golfers how to move their body, and it's teaching them, hey, how to be uh, aware of their sp or spatial awareness. Okay? Um, we like to do different variations of box jumps and different medicine ball throws, and um, we're really trying to focus on the sequencing. So not necessarily trying to mimic, but trying to get junior athletes to understand how their body's moving and how that correlates to the swing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think the big part, I think, with any of the med balls, med ball throws, or even like cable rotations, I think the big thing with ground force training, especially with juniors, really with any golfer, but definitely with juniors, because we see like in the research that we've done, like prepubescent, like vertical leap, like is a, not a very good relationship to club at speed. Uh, just, the kids just really don't understand how to use the ground, so it's an important, I think, long-term developmental uh, skill that we teach them. But when we do med ball throws, like I think some people listening or, or watching may say, like med ball throw, how the hell does that work? Ground force, but it's and I think sweet sequencing. We're not necessarily talking about kinematic sequencing; it's the kinetic sequencing. And are they driving horizontally? Like in the golf swing, we drive horizontally first, and then we go with the torsional or the rotation, and then with the vertical. And I think that's the cool thing with med ball throws or any, or just like a cable chop is you can actually change up which part of that sequence you're trying to get somebody to, to improve on, um, whether it's, you know, vertical thrust or the horizontal drive. Uh, that's, I think I love one of the reasons, like I love like the K pulley is because that really forces that initial horizontal drive, but then how do they then transition up out of that, um, you know, through there. So I think cues there, from what I've seen, they're just the, hugely important thing yeah and when you're just like when you're teaching juniors to start up lifting like just technique in general it's the same thing with ground force you're teaching them like where to feel the ground like in their foot specifically like you know those cues that you're using it's the same thing like learning from the ground up like how it's working like what they should be feeling what the technique should be um you know it's a very much like a learning process just like the you know general programming we program for them here it's all part of the the process and the system that we have and, and i think you brought up a really good point in that prepubescent hey you're still learning exactly what alex is saying you're still learning the appropriate mechanics and with that you're training in the three different planes you're training uh vertical horizontal and rotational okay? so prepubescent that like use baby giraffe analogy a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you think of like a baby giraffe, like they don't exactly understand that. Hey, and that's what we're trying to develop. And that's what we're trying to train is uh, that bit, that movement base to be able to build off of. Yeah. And I think it's important for juniors, coaches of juniors, parents of juniors. And yeah, we see, you know, like you get like sixth, seventh grader, like at 10 to 12, they may come in like not have gone, not going through puberty. And like, I've seen some like just phenomenal movement athletes, like they get it, they're deadlifting, they're, you know, not 400 pounds, but the quality of their movement is awesome. Uh, they can jump. And we brought up jumping in the beginning. You know, obviously vertical thrust is the highest correlation to clubhead speed, so that's why we like jumps. <laughs> uh, teaching them how to land and those sorts of things. I think, I mean, you guys have seen it. Like, you get somebody, like, one, like, for, like, three, four months, it's like they're rock solid. 
And all of a sudden they show up one week and that's sort of the baby giraffe. And it's like they forgot how to walk. They're like tripping over their feet. It's like, wait, wait, your hinge used to be perfect. What the heck happened? Or your jump used to be great. And now your knees are touching when you land. Like, like what is going on? And I think that's where being staying involved in a golf fitness or we more like to call it the golf performance program throughout the development is huge because that minimizes how giraffey we get right <laughs> right yeah and i think that goes into the next one um you know lifting i'll, I'll throw in like lifting heavy weights for juniors um we have another episode where you talk about how this is not a bad thing for younger kids and obviously heavy is relative to everybody but getting them under some load um, is not only going to allow them to produce more ground force without them even kind of thinking about it but you know putting the stress on the muscles having them build um you know overload and overcome to get stronger um, that in itself is going to help them put on more strength, more swing speed. Yeah. Prevent injury. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And that's like Alex said, you can reference another episode, but if you're still doing bodyweight band exercise um, or lightweight exercises, you're not producing enough of a stress. And with that, you're not going to adapt or the juniors won't adapt and they're not going to create the appropriate amount of tendon stiffness or they're not going to create the appropriate amount of uh, muscle strengthening to be able to handle the appropriate sequencing movements that we're trying to train as well. And I think we see, we're actually seeing this in a couple of our you know, kind of making that transition junior clients from like, you know, starting to, you know, girls, you know, starting to menstruate or, you know, the boys kind of, the boys just get out squeaky, right? <laughs> Where in like you get, you can actually get injuries because there's so much mobility and not enough strength to control it. Um, but sometimes you get into this conundrum where it's like, we need to get them so much stronger to stop them from hurting, but the hormones aren't necessarily there yet. And so I think, but mm-hmm. the stronger we can get them, particularly in the hypermobile cases, yeah. uh, I use, I, I have my son, he's six years old and he's super like lordotic, like low back is arched, very low tone when he was a kid. <clears throat> he's coming in, he weighs 45 pounds, maybe, maybe 50 pounds. My four-year-old daughter weighs as much as him now, but, <laughs> but I literally, he comes in and we have him, we make it a game, but he pushes the 95 pound sled down and back. And it's amazing how, <clears throat> you know, he just. He gets locked and loaded, pelvis neutral, like heavy for him. I mean, that is kind of heavy. He's pushing it. Um, but then also like heavy for him is we're working like we make it a game like to deadlift with a 15 pound, 25 pound kettlebell. Yeah. Uh, and it's amazing how when he does hinge correctly, all of a sudden everything lines up and he's in the right position. And so I, I'm not sure how many people are start their kids at four and six. And we do it in a fun way, but the goals are the same of trying to, you need load a lot of times to help promote the motions or that we're trying to get the kids to get into to set them up for long-term success. Yeah, and we do that too. We have to make, you know, make it fun for the kids. Not Most kids aren't going to want to walk into a gym and do deadlifts <laughs> rather than know what it is. But, you know, that's what Tyler does here. Great with the juniors, making it fun. But so they're still going through those patterns. They're still getting to overload and becoming stronger and not going through those problems later on where they're getting injuries and, you know, they feel good and they're adapting well. Yeah. Uh, how, how, what's, do you have like a good example of like how you've just seen that progression like play out from like kid to now baby giraffe forgets how to move and then they come out of that stage and they're like better than ever? Yeah, I mean, I think a good progression for that is um, here in house. I actually train an eight year old individual and we've been training for about three weeks now. And just this last week is I played a game out of it. He had 15, 20 pound medicine balls lined up on one end of the turf and he had to 
pick them up and carry them across the turf and set them down. It was a game, and that's exactly we made it fun. It's literally just picking up. Like, was that basic, the one you had all the boxes? You had to put it inside the boxes. Yes, yeah, so it's basically yeah. like like picking up yeah. rocks. Like it, it, there was nothing crazy to it, but it's teaching him that in a little bit of a way. It's simulating a deadlift. It's teaching him how to appropriately hand load his hips mm -hmm. and also building his core strength through carrying the weights down the turf and. Um, whether he believes it or not, that's going to definitely benefit him in the long run. Mm -hmm. So like you said, once he does get to that stage where his body starts to change and he's not quite able to understand how it's moving, we can still do different hinging patterns with him and his body's going to be like, oh, wait, I've been doing this for three, four years now. Hey, I remember what it's like to load my hips or I remember what it's like to engage in my core and work anti-rotation. Yeah, for sure. I think, I believe if I recall, he beat you and you had to do sleds or something afterwards. I'm not very good. I'm not very good computer with him. I mean, he, I mean I, I'm still on. I'm, Sorry. I'm, I'm like 0 for 6. <laughs> he must be, he's a beast. Yeah. <laughs> right, so we have jumps and med ball work. We have heavy resistance training. Um, anything else or, you know, other things that maybe we shouldn't do. <laughs> I feel like you're leading me on here. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, well, yeah, I think when we talk about kind of just the three things that we look at with juniors to really help them pick up speed. Number one, obviously, is like the ground force stuff. Um, number two is, uh, you know, obviously the get stronger, lift, load the body as is appropriate, you know, as relatively as heavy. Uh, but then number three, I think, and perhaps this maybe we should have made this number one is uh, is, is this, we have to assess the, the junior. Like, don't just go into a gym and start lifting randomly. Like, you wouldn't do that. Don't just pick up overspeed training out of nowhere and say, oh. I should, I want to swing faster, so I'm going to do this. 9.5 out of 10 juniors, I would think we'd probably, maybe it's higher than that, are not appropriate for overspeed training mm -hmm. um, just because they don't have those that base of strength to build on. And then particularly if it's a, if you're a competitive junior, your child's a competitive junior, they probably, their skill in the technique and in the equipment, if we think about the four quadrants of speed where you have technique, equipment, uh, you know, mobility, and power, usually their technique and equipment is dialed in. And they're going to be able to swing a lot faster just from a skill level than what their power numbers or their strength ability to produce force or the, the ability to use braking is going to be. And that's where, that's pretty much every single junior that we see that ever gets hurt fits that profile where they're swinging faster than what they can do. Right. Um, and a lot of their golf coaches that we are in contact with come to us and say, hey, my athlete is a junior. The problem is it's usually that they're swinging too fast, really that they can't slow down. Yeah, they the can't control it. Swing. Right, they exactly. It. So yeah. that's where building strength and ground forces come into play. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's just a huge understanding or point that we want to make from, from a junior perspective is, yes, you're going to have to swing faster to be competitive to play at the next levels. Like, we understand that. But for most juniors, the way to do that safely and looking at a long-term development plan is get strong. Mm -hmm. um, occasionally, you'll run into some mobility issues. But that's generally not a huge issue that we run mm -hmm. into. But it's get strong, learn how to use the ground. And then if it's appropriate, then you know, we, had, we had one of our juniors that's been with us for two or three years. And it's, okay, now it's time to start implementing some mm -hmm. overspeed training mm -hmm. because this fits for you. Mm -hmm. um, but just be, you know, there's lots of training aids, there's lots of different things out there. I think there's a lot of pressure to go faster. Mm -hmm. um, and the right way to do it is number one, assess so you know where you are, know what profile mm -hmm. you are. And then like what we talked about, learn how to use the ground and get strong, you know? Right. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I mean, I guess, I want to add just one more, just because I think it's really important, specifically in junior training, is you have to be consistent with your training. Um, this is, I guess, an issue we've, we've probably addressed in on other episodes, but you can't hammer enough is 
you can't train for three months out of the year and then go, oh, say, I'm going to go play golf for nine months. I'll be, I'll see you back in November and expect to come back and be like, all right, like, here we go. Like, how am I going to progress to the next season or to the next phase? It's, it doesn't exactly work like that. Like, this has to be a year round thing. You have to be working on uh, your heavyweight training and your ground forces year round, because if you give up on that, um, just as much as we see juniors improve when they come and train with us, they decrease double the amount. Well, when they spend seen, time away. We've seen this, you've done a little in-house study uh, yeah. uh, informally looking at as juniors who are gone for eight to ten weeks with coronavirus not being in the gym and then coming back. I mean, you've seen some pretty ridiculous drops, haven't you? Yeah. We've seen um, juniors who have actually been training with us for, shoot, two, three years now, consistently training year-round for two, three years. They took the last three months off due to coronavirus. Both of them dropped three miles an hour in their swing speed as soon as a 12-week decrease mm -hmm. or 12-week of not stepping into a gym, so. Yeah. And it's not like they weren't playing, they were playing lots of golf, because yes. the golf courses were open. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely super important, that's a great point. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so I hope everyone found this resourceful. Um, be sure to subscribe, hit the like button, share this with your friends, and uh, catch us in the next episode.